Children's Ministry Monthly, a podcast focusing on the needs of everyday children's ministers. Hi, this is James. I'm your host, and welcome to Children's Ministry Monthly uh, mini cast. Still got to figure out a better name. But uh, this is part six of an unlimited known number of mini uh, casts. And our topic, of course, is discipline. And um, we've gone through and talked about defining discipline. We talked about, um, let's see, last time we talked about rewards. And this time I want to go through some of the keys of discipline. Um, Just concepts and ideas. And I'm just going to hit them right off the top. The first one and get right into it, is relationship. Uh, I said it earlier in an earlier mini-cast that um, discipline, or respect rather, used to be based on position. Uh, if you were a principal, a pastor, a parent, policeman, any of those things, people respected you just based on your position. That is no longer the case. Kids these days, from teenagers down, um, they respect you and they will receive discipline from you based on your relationship with them. Again, you have to make a deposit with them before you can make a withdrawal. Um, I like to say it like this. I don't know how many of you guys are familiar with the movie um, Da Vinci Code. I know it was very controversial, but I uh, I read the book and watched the movie because I like to know uh, what we're hating on. And um, there's one part of it, <clears throat> if you'll bear with me for the, for the illustration, uh, it was something called a cryptex, and it was supposed to be a, a puzzle box. And on the outside, it was like a cylinder. And the, on the outside was uh, numbers and letters. And you were supposed to figure out, you know, it was like a, like a padlock, a bike lock with, a, with rotating numbers. You're supposed to figure out what the combination was so that you could separate this cryptex, the out, outer shell, to get the message that was inside. Well, of course, people were like, well, why don't you just break it open? Well, that's the genius of it. The message was oftentimes written on a piece of parchment, um, and inside of that parchment rolled up uh, was a tube with uh, some sort of uh, acid or something like that in it that would dissolve, maybe it was vinegar, it would dissolve away the parchment and the message would be destroyed. And I think kids are like that. And that's the importance of a relationship. You have to figure them out. Figure out what makes them tick what unique things about them is going to let allow them to trust you enough to open their heart to you so that you could find out what god has hidden inside of them what makes them special what secret do they hold but all too often with these kids especially the ones that are hard to love we want to manhandle them or over discipline them we just want to make them be good for our purposes and we we mishandle them and we we break them and uh, we'll never know what's going on, they'll, or at least they'll never show us uh, what what makes them special. Um, just a note on on the quote unquote bad kids. Uh, this is a little side note, but that's okay. Um, I love these guys, the guys that need a little bit more love. You know why? Because they need it. They need a little bit more love. I have a heart for these kids that would be labeled bad. Um, I believe it's because of this. Uh, a great man, a mentor of mine, David Godbout, once said, and he probably stole it from somebody even better than him, um, that, you know, God loves you, and he has a plan for you, and he has every good and perfect gift. But And he'd go on about that for a minute, but then he was real quick to say, but there is someone out there that hates your guts. Satan hates you. 
He hates you every bit as much as God loves you. And he has a plan for your life too. And I look at these bad kids, quote unquote again, bad kids. And I, I believe those are the boys and girls that have the most potential of anybody. I believe that because of the situations they come from, the challenges, chemical or otherwise, that are going on inside their mind and in their heads, and or, or the, the energy that they have, that if it could just be redirected in a positive way. But... And, and i got to imagine that Satan wouldn't waste time trying to destroy them and make them obnoxious if there wasn't something he saw in there that God wanted to use. I really, truly believe that with all my heart. So have patience with your bad kids. Love on them extra. Don't just learn their names so you could yell at them. Find out what their middle name is, their favorite cereal, who their mom and dad are, what boyfriend she has that week. Find out what makes them tick. Go, go eat lunch with them in their, in their elementary schools. Get to know their teachers. I bet you'll find out they're, they're actually got some pretty good stuff going on behind the scenes. But love those kids, even if they're beyond the scope of, of discipline. Uh, you know, and, and making a mind and all. Maybe they don't fit on the consequence ladder anywhere. They've looped around that thing so many times, you can't even stand to think about it. With those kids... And here's another rabbit trail, but it needed to be said. I've only had two kids that have gone through the, the consequence ladder unfazed to where it was just not going to happen. They're not going to behave. They're just special, not special needs. Not, neither one of them is, you know, that, that doesn't apply. Uh, I don't hold a kid accountable for stuff they can't control. But there's a few kids, at least two or three I can think of in the time that I've been there, and I've just had to say, you know what? If they just stay here and allow us to love them when we can, then for them, that's the most we can do. Some of these kids I haven't been able to discipline because of their parents. Some of them because of, uh, I guess I would have to say specialties, ADHD, um, or just emotional damage that were done. It's probably nothing that would ever show up on any kind of a physical exam. But for those kids, I, I, I'll give you some examples. I had one that would run away, um, would leave, go down to the Osco and go get a soda. And, and they grew up in the neighborhood and they knew their way around. She wasn't going to get hit by a car or anything, but it just freaked you out because she lived around there. That was her hood and she'd just sneak out on us. And another kid who slept the entire time. Because his medication, he was either wired because they didn't give him enough or he was sleeping because they gave him too much. And for those kids, um, I just have to ask myself the question, what do I want them to remember about church, about the love of Christ Twenty-five when they're 25? What do I want them to remember? I have to go long term with them. And what I want them to remember is that God loved them and accepted them. And I've screwed up my life and everything's horrible because I'm a bad kid and I grew up and blah, blah, blah. But I'm ready to change. Where can I go? Oh, yeah, that church where they loved me no matter what. I'm just telling you, I, I recently got off the phone just the other day with a kid that was kind of like that, a kid that some people had hung up on. He's 20 years old now. And he, he sought me out and called me. And he says, you know, I'm a children, I'm a youth pastor now. Youth pastor, good Lord. Never thought, never thought when he was listening to corn back in the day that he'd be a youth pastor. 
Um, I mean, to give you an example, this kid uh, streaked through the youth service, okay? So as a goodbye gift when he left. Um, but he says, I just, I just never thanked the people that, that helped make this happen. He says, I still remember when you took my corn CD and you read the lyrics right out of the jacket, bad words and all. He says, that made an impact on me. It made me embarrassed for the first time I realized that those lyrics coming through your mouth, my pastor's mouth, was it was just it made it seem so nasty. And I said, dude, I haven't done that before or since. That was a God thing. I said, I didn't know there was so many bad words in it when I started reading it. He says, no, that was a pivotal point in my life. Blah, 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 blah. See, that kid was crazy. He was a crazy kid. But... We just loved him and accepted him. We battled with him and all that stuff. But dadgum, if he ain't saved and living for God now. What do you want your kids to remember Twenty when they're 25? I don't know. Do you want them to remember that's the place I got candy? That's the place where I got away with murder? Or is that the place where I drove them people absolutely nuts? And I must have... Oh, but they loved me. Had a youth pastor like that. Okay, so relationship. All that to say relationship is key and important. Second thing on my list, that's just one of two, is preparedness. Um, just being prepared is is a huge part of discipline, of maintaining it. And, and oh, it drives me crazy when I see a teacher that is pulling their hair out because their kids are going nuts, but they're reading out of a curriculum book. Because they picked it up that morning and glanced through it, if even that, during breakfast. How are you going to expect those kids to take your class any more seriously than you do? Oh, my Lord. We have an unsaid rule in my children's department, and that's this. You can take as many notes as you want, and you can hold them in your hand. You could read off it if you wanted to. But do not teach out of a book. Don't do it. At least have that stuff have gone through your spirit and then out through your hand on a piece of paper. So I can see you interacted with it just a little bit. But it's not just that. It's also the room. Discipline is all about the room. I don't care what your room is. I don't care if it's decorated or if it looks like a hospital. It ain't about that. People get so hung up on that. You could have church out in a tent. And if you have your... If you're prepared and you have your atmosphere set, you're good. I'm not talking about lighting. I'm not talking about soft or, or loud music or pre-show or any of that stuff. I'm talking about owning the room. You've got to get there before them kids do. Don't be showing up late, expecting, walking in, and kids are already sitting down or running around and expect to own that room. You have to get there before they do. You have to have your tables and chairs set up. You have to have all your props set out. You have to have everything ready to go before the first child walks in. And when they do, have something for them to do. Have something for them to get started on. Because if you get that first kid that walks in busy, then the second kid's going to be wondering what he's doing. And he's going to want to do it too, even more than if he was the first kid, and so on and so forth. But if the, if they... Even if you transfer rooms and you leave, say, a big service and go to a small group, make sure they're following you. Make sure you're the first in the room. Make sure that you turn the lights on and you lead the class to the first chair because you've got to own that room. If you don't, you lose. They own it. It's it's small thing, but it's a big deal. If, if you have different size kids, having the right size chairs is huge. It's huge. I had to convince my people. First thing we did with Junior Jam is we bought little chairs. Because little feet that are dangling, what do they do? They swing. And you're putting them 
at tables facing each other and swinging feet, what do they do? They kick other swinging feet. And all of a sudden you got all kinds of squirmy, fidgety kids with bruises on their feet. It's terrible. So we got small chairs. Feet can touch the ground. They feel big. We got adjustable size tables from Sam's. Not very expensive. Them plastic ones, bless God, that aren't 500 pounds like those old school church tables that we had to move around. Okay, so prepare, man. Prepare. What do they say? Uh, no tears in the writer, no tears in the reader. And it, all that means is if, you're in, if you ain't crying when you write it, they're not going to cry when they read it. It's the same thing with Scripture. It's the same thing with, the, with the, what you're preaching. If you, if you don't prepare, then you don't care. And I say this, 90% of frustration alleviation is preparation. I don't know if I made that up. I think I did. So you can quote me if you want to. Interest. Um, I, so the first one was relationship preparedness interest level. I, I don't believe in attention uh, disorders. I mean, I do. I, don't get me wrong. Somebody's going to call me and hate on me. I just know that even it's not about attention spans in children's ministry. It's about interest level. Let me explain to you what I'm talking about. ADD kid. Okay. Love them. Got a bunch of them. I work in inner city. I probably got more than my share. But that kid that can't sit still can sit and play video games for three or four hours. So don't talk to me about attention spans. Talk to me about interest level. That kid is interested in video games. Can't sit for five seconds to do homework or practice piano, but boy, can he play outdoors forever on ride his bike forever and play video games all day long if you let him or watch an entire movie. Now, I know there's exceptions to every rule. I'm just saying. Don't worry about attention spans. Worry about interest level. Get your content in a way that is interesting to their kids. Now, that's going to differ as many different churches as there are and, and as many different combinations of kids in your room and age groups and genders and, and economic and social backgrounds, cultural differences, blah, blah, blah. I can't speak to every one of them. But in general, you know your kids. You know what ministers to them. You know what they're interested in. Make sure, and, and I'm not talking about using Hannah Montana and, and, and blah, blah, blah. I'm talking and being relevant that way. That's cool. Whatever you got to do. I'm talking about topics and hitting kids where they live. In my, in my world, I talk a lot about surviving. I talk about what do you do when you're locking yourself in the room because your parents are screaming at each other? What do you do when you're home alone because your folks went to the boats? What do you do? Where, where is God in those situations? What do I do as a child that is out of control, can't, can't do anything even though I know what's right and I'm not living with the results of my own sin I'm living with the consequences of other people's decisions what do I do that's what we talk about interest they're interested in that standards standards is another one sometimes with our workers and, and all that kind of stuff and even with our kids um, in our own churches we don't have standards for them and um, I, I believe in having high standards um, I don't really have much more to say than that, I suppose. I, uh, but my own standards, um, I have to live by example. I have to make sure my kid is behaving. And how many times in our children's churches does our own kids, the worst kids in the room? Oh, Lord, help us. Lord, help us. I, my daughter's in junior jam, and she's doing really good. But what's happening when she turns in first grade? I'm already working on it, to be honest, just between you and me. She knows that she's got to behave more than anybody, but not more than anybody, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Standards. 
set them for yourself, for your workers, and for your kids, and and uh, and live by them. Make sure they're believable. I mean, meaning uh, enforceable and all that kind of stuff. Rewards and consequences. I, I think I mentioned this earlier in another mini cast, but again, um, rewards exaggerate um, the benefits and consequences. It's our job to exaggerate the consequences for them, to give them a microcosm, a small version of what the world is. Because, you know, keeping here, here's what I'll say I always I use the word break your heart, break their heart. Um, you always have to break a kid's heart that's that's being bad. And that sounds horrible. I guess it's more about breaking their will or showing them that it hurts to be bad. Because if you don't do it, it's like anytime we start a new consequence structure, especially when we started the clips with the junior jammers, our little kids, none of my workers wanted to take a clip. They wanted to threaten to take a clip. And I'm like, that's no, that that's the stop sign thing again. We're, we're you know, you, there's no stop sign if you're not getting on to it for, for driving through it. If you don't take a clip, the clip is the getting on them. And they didn't want to do it. And um, I said, no, you got but, – but they were being bad. I said, you got to break their heart. You got to take the clips. You have to let a kid or two go home without candy. Only in America would we be too scared to send a kid home without a free piece of candy after church. So I guess I'm going to stop it here because I went a little longer than I meant to. But the keys of discipline – there's so much more to cover. Relationship, preparedness, interest level. Uh, standards, standards. I could have probably done more with that, but that's okay. Rewards and consequences. Again, um, just creating, I don't reward good behavior. I reward great behavior and I don't punish, uh, based on a whim. I base, I punish based on minimum standards. If you step below those, you're, you, 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 it's going to be uncomfortable for you. Um, we're going to do one more uh, of these, I can tell already. I'm just going to go through some bonus stuff, and we're going to talk about different types of children's leaders on our next mini-cast. So check back with us. If you'd like to get a hold of me, you can go to cmmonthly.com or email me at cmmonthly at gmail.com. Uh, we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.